Good evening. Uh, let me add my welcome to that of Owen. I am indeed the vicar, and uh, he indeed is the apprentice, but less of an emphasis on the apprentice. Um, it's more Batman and Robin than vicar and curate. Uh, he's Batman, <laughs> um, just to be clear. Um, and what you need to know is that his lovely wife, Laura, has just walked in. Uh, stand up, Laura. This is the final member of the student team. Uh, she's awesome, and... Um, Owen makes, uh, Owen and Laura make an amazing team. And, uh, what you need to know is that I used to do all the student work, uh, or help do all the student work in Oxford, the big church in Oxford before they came here. So they kind of come with like serious, um, experience. And, um, it's been great to see the community of students kind of grow and develop over the last couple of years here. So those of you who are new, uh, from Worcester or Regents, um, it's so great you're here. And, uh, what I would say to you as one of the pastors of, uh, one of the city churches is, I'd love you to stay here. I'd love you to make this your home. And I think you'd find it to be a great home. But more importantly, I want you to find a home. And I want you to make sure you plug into a good church and you commit to it. Um, I met my wife, Kath, who you'll meet at some point. She's at home with our three children. All of them have tonsillitis. Uh, it's pretty grim. Um, uh, uh, I met her just as I was leaving university. Um, she was the year behind me, so she was in year, uh, second year when I was a third year. I was just kind of coming to faith at the end of my third year. And uh, I look back and I think, if only I'd been a Christian at university, uh, it would have been great. Uh, a, I would have probably done things differently, but actually I would have been part of a cohort of people. She's got some amazing friends from her university days that I just don't have. Um, so I want to encourage you, find a church, commit to a church. And if you want to know about this one, Hang out later, ask us some questions. What we're committed to doing here is creating a space uh, where we make room for the Spirit of God, where we take the Scriptures seriously, where there's lots of grace for the reality and mess of life, but where there's an expectation that we will be transformed by God over time. And our basic vision, if you like, is to simply join with God in the renewal of all things. That's what we believe we're called to do as the church. Um, You've missed a couple of vision talks if you want to find out more. Go onto our website, you'll find them. But uh, it's about being people of the kingdom of God. Uh, It's not all about what happens on a Sunday night. We gather, and then we scatter, and then we gather, and we scatter. And we want to equip everybody, every life stage, uh, to be effective in the world for God. That's what we're about. And uh, as I say, you can find out more if you want to, but uh, it's great to have you with us. Um, I um, I found myself travelling a little bit over the last few weeks, doing various things, meetings mainly, dull meetings half the time. Um, some of you will know that we um, had some people here, uh, the, the curate before Owen actually, who was also called Owen, uh, but from Ireland, uh, so he spelt it funny. And uh, they went back and they planted a church in Dublin out of here uh, called um, Icon, and um, I'm one of the trustees, which basically means I have to go to Ireland every three months. It's like such a hardship. Uh, so, you know, um, anyway... Uh, about three months ago, um, we, I'm due another trip. Uh, we, I, I was over there, and um, I don't know whether you read your Bible on planes, trains, things like that. I don't know, or whether you're a bit kind of surreptitious. I'm a bit old school; like I like to read a paper Bible. And so I had my Bible out. It was this one from my collection. I'll tell you more about this in a moment. And um, <clears throat> it wasn't this one here. Imagine if I take in this one. Right? <laughs> this is the 1904 Bible from this church. It's great, isn't it? So I don't think it's been read for a long time. It'll probably fall apart. I was on the plane, and I was reading my Bible. I was actually reading my Bible, thinking about a sermon I was writing, and um, 
I could see, you know, you can feel the person next to you in the seat. It was Ryanair. So it was like this, you know. And uh, the guy next to me, I could feel him going like that. And he was looking. And I, look, I looked out the corner of my eye. To, and he looked, and we, our eyes met. He was like, whoa! <laughs> it was like one of those, like, whoa. And I had the window seat, which is a nightmare, so I was trapped. And he could, you could basically tell, he was like, is this guy really reading the Bible? Anyway, I, I didn't say anything. I was just like, you know. This is, I wasn't in the mood, basically, for to try and evangelise. You know those big kind of mega church pastors? They've all got an aeroplane story. They led someone to faith on. on I'm just trying to write a sermon, right? He like whatever. And um, looking back, I probably missed the moment. But anyway, he he, uh, he eventually said to me, he said, um, "You don't really believe that, do you?" And uh, and then that was it. I was like, uh, and then he kind of got out of his book and ignored me. I was like. What, am I meant to say something? Uh, uh, anyway, I was like, he didn't really want a conversation. It wasn't actually a question. It was a statement. You know what I mean? Anyway, I was like, this is awkward. Thank goodness I'm only going to Dublin. Like, not Auckland in New Zealand, where I used to live. Uh, so, uh, came to the end of the flight. We landed. It's not really a landing, is it, right now? It's more of like a, they throw you onto the runway. Um, and uh, as he got up, I said, by the way, yeah, I totally believe it. I totally believe it. And he was like, and off he went. Uh, on Thursday, I uh, got the train down to London. Um, some of you, if you haven't already discovered the joys of the line from Worcester via Oxford, you will. Uh, it's a nightmare. And um, I got on this train at 7.22, and I thought it was hilarious because they said, welcome to the Cathedral Express to London. I'm like, this ain't no express to London. It takes two hours, 40 minutes. I'm like, I could drive it quicker than that. It takes you through all these like lovely places, Kingham, Thornbury, all these places. Anyway, um, I always reserve a seat because I'm a bit of a nerd like that, and I want a table seat, and I want power, and I want to be able to work. And... Um, I was doing quite well, thinking no one sat next to me, and I was thinking maybe it's because the Bible's out, right? So, um, top tip: if you want personal space, just get a Bible out. It always works. And uh, anyway, this dashing older gentleman, probably lots of money, you know, in his big, beautiful house in the country, gets on, and uh, after a while, he says, uh, "What are you reading?" So I'm like, oh, nuts. I'm like, I'm an introvert. So I'm thinking, I don't want to have to talk to people on a train. I'm about to go to a meeting, uh, a new wine meeting. We're part of a new wine, the new wine network. Um, I helped lead it. And I was thinking, I've got an eight-hour meeting. I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. Anyway, he's like, yeah, what are you reading? I said, the Bible. He goes, no, 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 which bit of the Bible? I said, oh, Matthew, whatever it was. And uh, he said to me, I used to read the Bible. But to be honest with you, he said, I just found it too hard, and I got really bored. And I go to church, my local church, and the, the vicar was just really dull. And uh, I was thinking, I'm a vicar, what's going to happen now? He didn't know this at this point. And uh, he, said, and, and he said, it's now on a shelf, gathering dust. He said, what would you recommend? <laughs> I said, here's what I'd say to you. Uh, actually, what I said was, that's very interesting. Because on Sunday in my church, I'm a vicar, by the way, at which point he goes, no. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Happens every time. I'm like, oh. Um, I still feel younger than I am. It's great. I said, actually, we're launching this thing called the Year of Biblical Literacy because we know there are lots of people who want to read the Bible. They just don't necessarily know how. Or they know the bits they like, and so they keep going back to those, and they skip the bits they don't like or the bits that freak them out. Like, have you read Ezekiel? It's like, what were they on? Uh, and so I said, we've got this kind of year-long project uh, to help people discover the Bible. 
And he goes, oh, that sounds like the kind of church I should come to. I'm like, yep, here's my card. Um, he's not appeared yet, but um, he looked like the kind of guy that you know actually randomly would. Do you know what I mean? And I say that because uh, you and I are, A, in a world that's quite hostile, have you noticed, to the faith and to Christianity in particular, and to the very idea that we would read a book that we consider to be holy, and that somehow in this book is truth, and actually a, a truth that we would argue is truer than all other truths, as in this is the truth and there isn't something else. And, and also, B, I, I know that, uh, if you're anything like me anyway, reading the Bible is quite hard. And I actually don't always know how to do it. And, and, and I'm a vicar, right? So they don't teach you how to do that at theological college. Um, you have to discover it for yourself as a vicar. And so, so part of what we're doing here, if you were around over the last few weeks, I shared this in our vision talks, is we, we want this adventure, if you like, uh, of Yobble, as it's now affectionately known, uh, to be about together, as well as individually, discovering more of this incredible book. Discovering more of how it fits together, how it's written, there are 66 books that are all written at the same time, in the same way, in the same place, for the same reason. Some of it's poetry, some of it's history, some of it's like, what was that? Some of it's um, all sorts of stuff, creation myths. And what we want to do is, is discover together what it is and how it fits together and what's the story it tells. And actually, what does it mean for us? And how on earth do we read it in such a way that we don't just know it, but we know it? And how do we read it in such a way that actually it becomes part of us? That actually it begins to shape us and form us? So that actually we begin to think and act more like Jesus, more instinctively than ever before, because this is in us. That's the adventure, that's the project, that's the, the, get the game, if you like, the goal that we're on. We know from all the data that the best, most effective way to disciple one another is together to journey in the scriptures. While I was on sabbatical earlier in the year, I asked lots of people, what's the best thing you've done in your church to see people become more truly human? Which is what discipleship is. It's becoming that which God created you to be. That which he saved you for. And they all said to me, all these seasoned leaders said, get them reading the Bible. Get them understanding what it is. Reading it. Discovering it. Finding themselves in it. Then, guarantee you, you will see people become more like Jesus. So that's what we're up to, and um, we are going to quickly say a little, I'm going to say a little bit now about why, unpack a little bit more, what's some of the context in which we're going to be doing that, what are some of the things that we're hoping will happen in us and for us, individually and corporately as we do this, um, as well as then map out practically how it's going to work. So, um, you up for that? Good. Great. I've got the microphone, so it kind of doesn't matter. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, so here's one of the things I want to say to you. Here's my little challenge slash encouragement to you. As of next Sunday, here's what I'd love us to do. Bring our own Bibles to church. Can we go old school? I feel old school tonight. I remember when that delirious song came out. I'm like, man, uh, I'm old. But ca- can we bring our Bibles to church? Here's why. Two things. One... Uh, it's a holy book, but it's designed for you to use. And actually, I'm, I want to say to you, scribble all over it. Highlight it, write on it, make notes, post-it notes in. Because actually, it's meant to be a tool, and we'll talk about that in a moment, that helps us. It's more than that, but it's part of that. One of the guys I spent time with in America on my sabbatical, a guy called Mark Batterson, amazing guy, he, he said to me, every, on his birthday every year, he buys a new Bible. 
Actually, what he buys is this one here, which is why I've got one, the Holy Bible NIV wide margin version. Because then you can scribble down the sides. And he buys a new one every single birthday, and he scribbles all over it because he reads it every year, and then he puts it in a box. And I said, why did you do that? And he said, because when my kids are older, I want to give them both a box of my Bibles so they know the journey of faith that their father took. What an amazing inheritance. It turns out his grandfather had done that for him. That's the first reason, because actually it becomes something you keep with you. The second reason is this. Uh, if I'm totally fine with Bible apps on phones, by the way, but actually what's interesting is that if I was to get some of you to, t- uh, to turn in your Bibles to the right place, you wouldn't necessarily know where to go, because we've become so reliant on just finding it on our phones. And actually I want to encourage you that part of the journey is actually to know how it hangs together, where everything sits. So you don't have to. We're not going to police you. But like, I, that's my encouragement and challenge you. Bring your Bible to church. You don't have to have a big fat one. You can get little ones that slot in your man bag uh, or your back pocket. My friend's got a back pocket Bible. Slots it in. Looks great. Okay, so that's my encouragement to you. With that in mind, would you grab a Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 22? If you don't have a Bible with you, there's a stack on there. There's a stack on there. Um, Please uh, don't turn your phone on. Please, just tonight, lean over someone's shoulder and turn to Matthew chapter 22. If you do not own a Bible, then you can take one home with you and keep it and write your name in it. And it's our gift to you. Matthew chapter 22, verse 29... Matthew chapter 2, verse 29. I'm just going to read one verse. 22. Matthew 22, verse 29. The context of this verse uh, is that Jesus is talking to some Sadducees. What you need to know is that at the time, uh, there were basically two kinds of hardcore Jewish um, religious leaders, two categories. You had, on the one hand, what were called the Pharisees. They're like the hardcore, right-wing, conservative, black-and-white theology. Our interpretation of Torah is right, and everybody else, you're wrong. Okay? And we're basically the perfect ones. We're the ones who've nailed it. Saul, who becomes Paul, says, I am the Pharisee of all Pharisees. He was like chief Pharisee, which is why it's remarkable that he has such a conversion. It's extraordinary. And the Pharisees were the ones who were like, don't you dare tell us what you think is true. We tell you what's true, and then you do it. They were super religious. They knew it, but they didn't live it. And Jesus has a lot to say to the Pharisees, doesn't he, if you know the gospel accounts. Uh, and we, by the way, we have that group within the church today. <laughs> okay, and then, uh, and then the Sadducees on the other end, they were a completely different bunch. They, they had a different way of going about this. They... Basically, their view was, we will believe whatever we need to believe to get into power with Rome. They basically accommodated to the culture. So they compromised and they changed their minds and they revised their position on X, Y, Z in order to be in cultural power. Okay? And so there was this kind of power sharing, which is why when it comes to the trial of Jesus, it's fascinating because all of that's being played out. And Herod is caught in the middle. He doesn't really understand it. And so Jesus is talking to the Sadducees, the liberal end of things. By the way, we have a group like that in the church today. And he says this, 
to the Pharisees in, con- in response, sorry, the Sadducees in response to a question they've asked him. And he says this. The question is about marriage. It doesn't matter. The point for tonight is this. Jesus says, verse 29, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. You do not know the scriptures or the power of God. And if I'm honest with you, that haunts me. Like I, I, I want to be someone who knows the scriptures and the power of God. I said earlier that we're part of this network of churches called New Wine. Some of you will have heard of New Wine. It's a, it was originally an Anglican thing, but it's much bigger now. And it's, it's churches that share a commitment to being people of the kingdom of God. And at its heart, we have a value of being word and spirit. We, we believe in the Bible and we believe in the active work of the Holy Spirit. And we believe in that combination of the two together. Uh, word and spirit, they kind of come alongside one another. I want to know the word, but I want to know the spirit. I want to know the scriptures, but I want to know the power of God. And I guess if I, if, if I want to say anything to you tonight, that's what I want this to be about. What I want is that over time, we will not only get to know the scriptures in the way I talked about earlier, but as we get to know the scriptures, we will get to know the power of God. And I don't just mean the power, as in the power of the spirit, although I'm totally up for that. But actually the power of God to create The power of God to forgive. The power of God to redeem. The power of God to transform. The power of God to bring Jesus out of the grave. That power. And what I believe, what I know, is that this book reveals that power. And it marries with my experience of God. But the more I know this the more my expectations on the power of God go up. Okay, so that's what we're about here. And I, I guess for me, I'm, I'm excited about you guys saying, do you know what? As I step into the mess of our world, as I look at the mess of, perhaps of my own life, I, I, I know more of the scriptures and I've got this deep confidence in the power of God to transform that I can go in his name and in his power on behalf of the kingdom of God into the mess of our world and say, this is not it. It will be okay. God is at work. He's making all things new and I'm here as an agent of that kingdom and I come in confidence and boldness. Not arrogance. Confidence and boldness, but humility and winsomeness because I know the scriptures and I know the power of God. Now, if you've got your Bible still open, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. So turn right, basically. Um, and you'll find it eventually. This is a very famous passage from Scripture. And I'm not going to go into, into loads of detail tonight, but I want to reference it for all of this stuff. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. This is like kind of one of those passages of scripture that um, those churches that really believe the Bible love. Here's what it says. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good.
good work. I don't want to uh, unpack it in loads of detail, uh, but what I do want to do is just tease out a couple of things that are relevant for the journey we're about to go on. The first thing I just want to draw your attention to is verse 15, where the writer says actually that the scriptures are able to make us wise for salvation. To make us wise for salvation. Now, if you've been around here for a while, you'll know that when we talk about salvation, what we understand that to be uh, in the big biblical narrative, the context of the entire narrative, is this idea that God saves us from sin and death, but actually for yasha, which is the Hebrew word for salvation, which literally means wide open spaces. That God saves us from sin and death, but that's only part of the gospel. We only give that sometimes to people. God's come to save you from sin and death. Good news, hey, glory. And everyone's like, um. But actually, Jesus saved us for the wide open spaces in which we become who we were made to be, in which we discover the gifts we've been given, the talents we have, the particular personality and passions, the calling on our life, what makes us unique and distinctive. And we find that with his power and the scriptures and in this community called the church, suddenly all things are possible, Right? And we realise that the horizon is this new creation world that we're helping create, we're helping usher in, then come on, that's worth giving my life to. The Bible gives us wisdom to know how to embrace that life. That's what the writer's saying. In here is wisdom on what that looks like, as well as actually how it even is possible, because it tells the story of Jesus Christ. But actually throughout the New Testament, you've got the writers going, this is what it means. This is how you enter into the wide open spaces. These are the things you need to think about. These are the things you need to go for. These are the things you need to contend for. Here are the instructions from the early church. It's all in here. It's wisdom. Wisdom is simply knowing how to live well in the wide open spaces of salvation. So that's the first thing. That's why it's a gift to us. It is this book that helps us understand what what did God have in mind when he saved us for Yasha. The second thing I want you to just notice, uh, and you'll have heard talks on this probably at some point if you've been around church for any length of time, is that all scripture is God breathed. We believe here that it's inspired by God. The first teaching series in the year of biblical literacy, which starts on Sunday next week, which Owen and Laura are doing, is called It Is Written. It's four weeks on what actually is the Bible. What does that actually mean? Like, how can it have um, authority? What does it mean for it to be inspired? We're going to unpack all of that. But we're not here to say this is just a bunch of writings by some inspired human beings. This is the inspired work of God. So that's why the Bible is a gift. But actually, I want you to notice one more thing. And this is in verse 17. These two words here, so that. What's the so that? There's always a so that in the kingdom of God. We gather on a Sunday, why? So that we can be reconnected with one another, with God, recalibrated, re-envisioned, and go back out into the world. You and I have been given gifts by the Spirit, why? So that. And here's the so that when it comes to the Bible. All of this is true, but it's so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You and I are the servants of God. And the Bible is is one of the ways that God the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit, equips you and I for every good work. 
And if you were to pick up a Bible commentary and go, actually, what does every good work mean? It means two things. It's two things. One, it's that work of being transformed by the Spirit, which ultimately is a work that God does, right? But we comply with it, we can resist it, or we can help it. But it's also the work that we then do on behalf of the kingdom. And uh, no uh, New Testament theologian would say that those two are, are, are separate. You do them both at the same time, right? So I'm a work in progress, but they still let me lead a church. I mean, like, there has to be grace, right? Thank goodness. So that's why it's such a gift to us. Because it equips us to be all that we're created to be and to do all that we're called to do. Three things, then, by way of context cultural context, if you like, three realities that we are going to seek to address directly or indirectly over the next 12 months. Three things I want to say to you. The first is, I don't think, and I'm saying this as myself, as we've been preparing for this, I have a fresh sense of this already, I don't think we know just how powerful the scriptures really are. I really don't. And so what I'm excited about is I think we're going to discover it more. Mahatma Gandhi says this, or said this. You Christians, look after a document containing enough dynamite to blow all civilization to pieces. Turn the world upside down and bring peace to a battle-torn planet. But you treat it as though it is nothing more than a piece of literature. Like we have a Bible, but we put it up there next to Shakespeare, Lee Child and Jamie Oliver. I don't know why I thought of them. It's just visualizing my bookshelf. (laughs) And yet, he's right, right? Enough dynamite to blow all civilization to pieces. Wouldn't it be great to discover more of the power of the scriptures? Yeah? So that's the first thing. And that's an invitation to us, I think. The second thing I want to say is that actually we need to understand... Uh, why the Bible is something that God's given his church. I think, if, we're on, if I'm honest, there's a danger of us just thinking that somehow uh, it's like a manual for what you need to do. Uh, and actually, often it becomes a manual that we refer to when things go wrong, a bit like the car, right? Like, I'm not a mechanic, so I drive around, uh, and then when the light goes on on the dashboard, I'm like, oh... There's clearly a problem, particularly if it's a red one and it's flashing. That usually gets my attention. Most of the other ones have been on for years. It's a knackered old car. But like, when I get the manual out, I'm like, what does that mean? It means do not drive the car. Okay, right. So, uh, you know, I can't pick up the Bible and go, tonsillitis. What do I do? Because my wife, it's not in there. Hmm. But what is in here is truth about the nature of sickness. And a story that's true that explains why the world is broken. And it tells a story of what God's done about that decisively in and through Jesus Christ. And it tells me that there will come a day when there will be no more sickness. There will be no more tonsillitis. Praise the Lord. And it also tells me what I do when I meet sickness. I use wisdom, so I've taken my children and my wife to the doctors, but I pray for them in the power of the Spirit because I believe that, in, uh, that the Spirit can and does heal people. I've been praying so hard for my six-year-old boy, seven-year-old boy, because like he's desperate to be healed. Like he's praying for tongues every night at the moment. God, give me the gift of tongues. I'm like, go, boy. But like, I can't force it into him, you know. 
He's, last night, he's like, if I, if I talk like a Chinese person, will that work? I'm like, maybe, I don't know. Uh, like, he's desperate to be healed. I'm like, God, come on, heal my boy. He'll kind of believe more of you. Actually, then I realized the very fact he's asking to be healed means he already believes. So that's what it tells me. Tom Wright, uh, anything by N.T. Wright, Tom Wright, is worth reading. He says this, the Bible is not simply an authoritative description of a saving plan. It's part of the saving plan itself. Living with the authority of scripture then means living in the story of which it tells. And actually the series after the next one, uh, come November, uh, called God's Unfolding Stories, a six-part uh, teaching series where we're going to look at the scripture as a story from the very beginning to the very end this story, because we'll find that we're called to be part of the story. In other words, this book tells the unified story of the people of God, of creation and new creation. And it says, find yourself in it. It's part of the plan itself, not just a guidebook on the side that we refer to in emergency. Third and finally, and I, I think this will be more acute for this gathering, this congregation, than it was for this morning, although it's true for this morning as well. But we live in a culture, like I rem- you know, discovered on the aeroplane, that's really hostile to people of faith who really believe it. People of faith who actually are willing to contend for a particular understanding of truth, a particular understanding of scripture. It's really difficult. It's really challenging. You, if you haven't already, guys, will come up against, you know, those of you who are freshers, people discover you're a Christian. Interesting reaction. Right? We're gonna, we are gonna find more and more that there's hostility towards us being people of the book, which is what we are. And so what I want to say to you is that in this church, we hold to an orthodox understanding of the Christian faith as it's been taught through uh, the last uh, 2,000 years by the church. We believe in the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed. We don't have a statement of faith as such, but I believe it. At the same time, because I believe in grace, this is a community where you are welcome if you hold a different view to me on something. That's totally fine. We're a centred set church. We centre around the person and power of Jesus Christ, not a doctrinal statement. Okay? But what it does mean is there'll be times where I might say something or you might ask me privately and we'll disagree. That's all right. But I've got to be true to who I am and we've got to be true to who we are as as the majority of the church. But I say all of that because what I want us to do at the same time as having grace is I want us to stand for something and I want us to contend for it. Not because I think we're just right and we need to smash people over the head with the Bible, but because I think in here is a story that makes sense of everyone's experience of the world. And it offers hope when it's taught well, when it's lived well. It's good news. And we need to believe it for ourselves. We need to have fresh confidence in the scriptures for ourselves. Because then when we live it, actually it becomes good news. It's interesting. The data on uh, where the church in this country is growing is by and large, it's in churches like this, which make room for the spirit. And it's usually among those aged somewhere between 18 and 30. And many of you are the so-called unchurched generation because you didn't necessarily even go to church. Fascinating, isn't it? Why? Well, it's in part because those churches teach the Bible as it's been received over 2,000 years. Okay, that's a conversation over a slush puppy later. But Tim Keller, who is brilliant as well, says this. There's enormous social pressure on Christians today to abandon the historic understanding of the inspiration and authority of the scriptures and the role it should play in our lives. And I want to say to you, we want to try and help you deal with that pressure. 
to know what you know and to know why you believe what you believe. So you can actually dialogue with people. As again, not, not in an arrogant way, like the last thing we need is to go out onto the high street with megaphones and shout at people. <laughs> but we do need, when people ask us, to be able to say, actually, I do believe it, and here's why. So part of that is what we're trying to do here. So that's why we're doing the Year of Biblical Literacy, and I hope you're up for that. I hope you're up for the journey, the adventure. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, what I love is that um, all our youth uh, and all our children's church, they're all doing it too. They're doing their own version, but they're going to be tracking. So anyone in our church who has children, what I love is they're going to get home on a Sunday morning, and their kids are going to be saying, we did this today in Yobble, and they can go, well, we did this in the grown-ups group. Ba, ba, ba. I think it's really exciting, because it's actually a whole church experience, a whole church adventure. There are four elements to it. Number one, the bit you do yourself. We'll come to that in a moment. Uh, second is Sunday teaching, like this. The third is engaging together through smaller communities. We'll come to that in a moment. And then four is this idea of taking it further. Um, number one and two, I guess, are kind of the things we'll experience together. And then three and four, that's going to be uh, dependent on you and what context you're in. If you... Uh, Go to our church website today or tomorrow. You will see it's been updated by Owen, who's done a brilliant job. And here's a screen grab. Uh, if you go to the top right corner, you'll see uh, under Talks, and there's now an option to click on Year of Biblical Literacy, and that's the top bit of the page, which has some blurb about it. But if you scroll down, you'll get to the, the, the connections into the various different resources that you're going to need. So all the stuff that we'll be doing, the reading plan, the videos we're using, all of this stuff, it'll all be on there or accessible via there, as well as other things. Uh, we're going to be uh, putting a section in our electronic newsletter that goes out on a Thursday uh, with links. Uh, it'll be tweeted, it'll be Facebooked, uh, as all of that sort of stuff. So that's that. The first thing then, do it yourself. In a moment, uh, we're going to show a little video to explain this. But at the heart of it, basically, is a reading plan. Because part of what we want to do is read through the Bible together. And I don't know whether anyone brought the copies of the reading plan from All Saints over this from this morning or not. Johnny says he did. So uh, look at Johnny. Isn't he epic? Johnny's our uh, admin ninja in the office. Um, so you'll be able to get one of those later. We've printed them on cards, so they're a bit more um, long-lasting, but we'll basically have a stack every week. So if you run, lose one or it gets ripped, you can get another one. Um, so this is the reading plan, um, and it starts on the 1st of October, Saturday. We're starting on Saturday for reasons that will become apparent in a moment, uh, but least, not least because it's an easy one to remember. So you can take one of these with you. We are um, partnering with... Uh, a project in America called the Bible Project, who've been doing something similar with a couple of churches on the west coast of America that we've got connections with. And uh, they have put together this reading plan. It's called Read Scripture. There's a paper copy. But as you'll see in a moment, there's also an app, which we'll uh, show you how to download in a moment. But here's this video they put together to explain um, the way in which the reading plan works and the theory of it, which I think will give you an insight into how we're going to journey together. So are we ready to roll that, LJ? I know that the Bible is long, and for many people, an intimidating book. 
But we believe that the entire thing is telling one unified story that leads us to Jesus. And so we want to help you learn how to read the Bible as you actually read through the entire thing for yourself. So the Read Scripture experience is, first of all, a reading plan that has broken up the story of the Bible into 16 chapters. Now, we've rearranged the order of some of the books to help you see how this overall story works and how each book contributes to it. So we begin with creation of the world and the fall of humanity, which leads to God's covenant promises to Abraham and his family, the people of Israel. Then you come to God's rescue of Israel in the exodus from Egypt, which is followed by the covenant God makes with them at Mount Sinai. From there, God leads Israel through the wilderness and then into the promised land, where Israel grows into a nation and breaks the covenant. And so this flows into the rise and the fall of Israel's kingdom, which ends with Israel being exiled from the land. Now, the story pauses right here, and you'll read through the poetry of the prophets who lived before Israel's exile, and also of the wisdom writings that reflect on this part of the story as well. After this, the story will pick up again, and you'll read the writings of the prophets who lived during the exile, then about the return of Israel from exile, and the writings of the prophets who lived after the exile. You'll conclude the Old Testament with the book of Chronicles. It's a summary of the story so far and how it all points forward to Jesus. And finally, we come to Jesus himself and his announcement of the kingdom of God, which is then followed by the letters of the apostles to the people of Jesus' kingdom. Finally, we'll conclude the entire biblical story with the revelation, a poetic vision of Jesus' return and the healing of all creation. Now, each of these 16 chapters has a number of reading sessions it will take to complete it. Some of these are shorter, others are longer. And if you take just 15 to 20 minutes a day to complete each session, you'll be able to read through the entire Bible in less than a year. Now, even with this map, many books of the Bible are really confusing. It's very easy to get lost. And so when you start each new book of the Bible, you'll be able to watch a short video that lays out that book's structure and flow of thought, and it'll give you tips about what kinds of things to look for as you read. But also, every book contributes to the overall story of the Bible as well. And so we'll have theme videos placed at strategic points in the reading plan to help you see how the part of the Bible you're reading at the moment fits into that larger story. Finally, each day's reading session includes a psalm, because we believe that reading the Bible is not just an intellectual experience, but also spiritual. And so we invite you to take the year to develop the daily habit of praying through the psalms. And by the end of the year, you'll have prayed through the whole book of psalms two and a half times. Our hope is that the Read Scripture experience will help you read through the entire Bible with greater understanding than you ever have before, so you can see for yourself the beauty and the wisdom of this ancient story that points us to Jesus. There's a paper copy, but there's also, um, as you'll see in the next slide, uh, an app which you can download for... um, iOS or Android uh, tablets or phones. It's free. I'd recommend you do that sometime this week. We're going to start on the 1st of October and we're going to go right through the 30th of September. Uh, Here's a couple of screen grabs just to help you see how it works. This is kind of what it looks like. So remember that map they've just shown us? That's kind of repeated in the app itself so you know where you are in the story and it allows you just to track each day what you're, what you're reading and, and as well as uh, some of the other things that they've built in. So, um, that's the setting screen, and when it comes to it, you basically set the date, the start date for the 1st of October. If we all start on the same day, if we have this, then we'll all be on track, all right? Because the idea is that as you're reading it, you're going, 
loads of other people in this church are reading it too. And when you get together, you'll be able to talk about it if you want to. Um, uh, and then you'll notice, uh, as we say, we're talking about the Bible Project, and you'll notice on the reading plan, the paper one, there's a column that says video, and that's to l- alert you to the fact that uh, the Bible Project videos, uh, uh, are, which are all on YouTube, and we'll link to them uh, on Twitter and what have you, as I said, uh, where they fall in your reading plan. So when you get to a day where there's a video, watch the video before you start reading. Because the video is an intro to the bit of reading you're about to do. And they're very good. They're about five, six minutes. They're very, very good videos. Um, brilliant. Uh, if, if you're using the app to read, um, and I would encourage you to do it with your Bible open, you do both together, um, you'll see it's actually embedded in the actual app itself. So you don't even need to go online You can, in terms of a computer. You can do it on your phone or what have you. Okay, so that's how that works. And um, I'd really encourage you to get your hands on uh, a copy of that if you can. Um, so 1st of October is the date we start, and um, I'm really excited about that. Uh, the second thing then, more quickly, is Sunday teaching. I already said this, but starting next Sunday, we've got a series called It Is Written, which Owen and Laura are doing. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, and then after um, the half-term break, God's Unfolding Story, and we'd love you to track with that. If you miss a Sunday, all the talks are recorded and they're on our website, so you'll be able to catch up. Uh, the third thing then is this idea of community engagement. We have not said to our small groups that they have to track this, but most of them have chosen to. And so what we're going to be doing, the team putting the teaching together, uh, at the beginning of a series or before a series starts, we're going to send to every small group leader um, a kind of a small group pack to help them uh, lead small groups that track with the Sunday teaching and the reading plan. Uh, essentially, it'll be um, a page per talk, something about the big idea, here's some follow-up questions suggested, Think of your own if you want to. Here's some more reading. Here's an article that you might want to refer to people, uh, refer people to, etc., etc. But the idea is that in your small groups, if you're in a small group, and the student small groups are doing something similar as well. Uh, I'm looking at Owen for confirmation of that. So you go, did I just say that? Yeah, that is true, right? Um, the idea is that we can come back together in smaller cohorts and go, okay, great, but why? Is that important? So what? What does it mean? Do we agree? Uh. Um, so. Um, that's the plan, and uh, I'm really excited because I know in those environments, that's where it lands. That's where it really takes root, because you can listen here on a Sunday, but actually it's when you start to talk about it and think about it and pray for each other, it'll start to shape and form you. What I meant to say uh, just on the reading plan is, uh, I know from having tried reading plans in the past that one of the things that can happen is that you get a bit behind, and then you start to feel really guilty, and then you think, oh, I'll have a catch-up day. So you phone in sick, and you spend the entire day reading the Bible. At the which point you're like, oh! So here's how I think we should do it. If you miss a day, move on. If you miss a week, just go, where am I meant to be? Oh, it's this date. Right, I'm just going to start there. And don't worry about what you've missed. Seriously, it's not worth it. It's not worth stressing about it. The other things we're doing will help you keep on uh, track with the story. Along with those small group uh, materials, we're also going to be producing each week some personal reflection material. Short things, you don't have to do them, but questions you might want to ask, ideas for how you might want to uh, apply some of it to your life. Where we can and it's helpful, we'll send a link to a video or an article we've come across, or maybe that you've come across. Um, Sometimes we'll kind of point you in the direction of a good book and say, look, it's worth getting a hold of this. Um, We'll be doing reading lists for each series, so if those of you like reading, uh, you want to get hold of some books, you can, all those sorts of things. 
finally then, the fourth thing is this idea of taking it further. And we recognize that some of us are wired in a particular way and will really love the idea of learning on a deeper level than we're going to do on a Sunday. Uh, and there's, you know, it's just whatever's right for you. But um, we're really committed to doing that, creating an environment where we engage intelligently with the scriptures on different levels, not just in, not intellectually at the expense of everybody, intelligently. And so I'm really excited that this term we've got two things happening. The first is that Laura, aforementioned Laura, uh, who is an incredible Bible teacher, if you haven't heard her teach the Bible, oh my goodness, you're in for a treat. She is going to be uh, doing a workshop at 4 o'clock on the 16th of October in our church centre, um, which is just uh, off the high street, uh, off Broad Street, uh, called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. Interactive, practical workshop. Actually, I've got this Bible. I'm up for this. Actually, what do I do with it in reality? Like, when I sit down, where do I even begin? Uh, that would be great. He's not here tonight, I don't think, but we then have, um, in November, Robin, who's part of our evening congregation, doing a lecture in here. And by lecture, I don't want you to think, like, oh, my goodness, like university with an assignment. Just think more kind of in-depth, engaging talk with opportunities for question and discussion. Um, you will not know this, and I can say this because he isn't here, but Robin is an internationally respected theologian. Like, seriously, he flies all over the world giving keynote speeches at conferences. He's written loads of amazing books. He's a total theological ninja, but usually when he's here, he's in the kitchen. I love that. Um, he's written a book called... this, A Pilgrim's Guide to the Weird and Wonderful World of the Bible. It's brilliant. All about the worldview of the Bible. So he's going to come in here and he's going to teach us that. Saves you reading the book, right? Um, uh, Great thing to bring your friends to. Um, Although I think I just try to persuade him that he might sell some at the end. Um, But that's just there if you want to come and go deeper, okay? So those are the four elements, but here's the key. We're doing this so that we know the scriptures and the power of God. I'm not interested in us reading it, tick, 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 watching lots of videos, great, going to lectures, and at the end of the year being no different. That's not the point. The point is that it's a transformative year. And we're doing it together because the Bible was always meant to be lived out together. It's always meant to be read and heard and discussed and taught together. The personal engagement is important, but the idea of the quiet time came in after the Second World War. It's not, a new, it's not an old thing, it's a new thing. Uh, we do it together, which is why it's a whole church initiative. So, you up for that? Yes. Great. Five of us. You up for that? Yes. yes, come on. Why don't you stand? I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to um, transition to party. Um, I'm going to pray generally for all of us in a moment for this adventure we're on, but I want to also say that I think there are some of us here tonight, if you're honest, it's been a while since you encountered the power of the Spirit, the power of God, and you probably know if that's you, you'll know that you need a fresh encounter with God. And if that's you, in a moment, I'm going to invite you just to find some space up to my left, your right, and some of our team will come and pray with you. Um, You don't need to say what it's for if you don't want to but I encourage you if that's you to do that but should we just pray for a moment Father we thank you for the gift of the Bible and we want it to come off our shelves and be well read thumbed through 
We want it to be open on our tables. We want it to be open in our conversations. We want it to be open on train trips. And we want to journey together in this year and discover in more ways than we can be ima- we can imagine how wonderful it is, the story it reveals, the truth it reveals, the power it reveals. So I pray you'd help us to do that really well together. And I pray that you, by your spirit, will be at work transforming us. As we journey into the wide open spaces, would you lead us in the way of life everlasting? May we be people who engage with our world with a gorgeous, beautiful, holy confidence for the sake of the world. And I want to pray for those who are new to this city. Say, God, thank you for bringing them here. Help us uh, as churches in the city to create space for them to be at home. And I want to pray for these amazing students that they would be people of the book on campus in incredible ways. And we pray these things, Jesus, in your name and for your fame. Amen. Amen.